Warning, this episode may contain bad language and content that some listeners may find useful if they like word games on their iPhones. Second disclaimer, this episode also features quite graphic depictions of suicide and suicide attempts. If that's something you're not comfortable with, maybe skip this one. It is at the beginning, so you can go around halfway in, but you have been secondly warned. Selena, do you have the disclaimer as well? I I love the guests that we've got coming up and then what they've created. Okay, it's not really a disclaimer, it's a statement, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll move on. I'm putting it out there. Welcome to Seesaw Podcast. With your hosts, T, Cleves and Selena. Every week, bringing some much-needed balance and humour to brighten up what can sometimes be a dark disabled world. Welcome back to Seesaw Podcast, the show that is much like Apple being forced to put USB-C ports on it. This week, we have another fantastic guest. We are joined by Zach Tidwell, creator of Xanagrams. I don't know why I said it like that. Just sound like it should be aggressive. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be chatting to Zach about his story, um, being a US Marine, his sight loss journey, and why he has created accessible iPhone games. So we hope you enjoy this conversation. We really did. It was a great chat and uh, a peek behind the curtain of app development. We are back with another amazing guest this week, the first one of 2024, Zach Tidwell. Hey, Zach. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Ah, pleasure. So you are a indie uh, mobile game developer, um, and we will jump into that. But if you're happy, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I am Zach Tidwell. I'm 28 years old now, and... I lost my sight when I was 23 to a suicide attempt. I was struggling with some personal stuff that I went through while I was in the Marines and ended up shooting myself in the head about nine months after I got out. There's quite a bit more to it, but that's kind of the succinct version of it all. And so after I regained my independence, I went back to college and ran into a bunch of accessibility issues to the point where... My school literally had to assign someone to be my eyeballs for an entire statistics course. And that led me to kind of investigate why some things are accessible as screen readers and why others aren't. And then when I found out that that came down to coding, I decided to drop out of college and start teaching myself how to code. And what sort of uh, site have you got at the moment? I've got nothing left. So I'm completely lights out blind. I'm deaf in one ear and then I've got some other small stuff going on. Wow. It just shows the, the importance of mental health and support, especially after like military service and stuff. And obviously, glad, glad you're with us, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And that's, that's why I try and be open about it, because especially in the veteran community, I know when I got out in 2018, at least in America, the, the number was about 22 vets a day on average committed suicide. And I heard that it got up to somewhere in the ballpark of 40 during the middle of the pandemic. So, you know, I think. If I had heard someone that's in my position now speaking to all of this and their journey through it and overcoming with it and learning to deal with the depression and stuff that I probably would have gotten help. So hopefully eventually someone will hear it that needs it, you know? Absolutely. Okay. If we move on to Dark Horse Studios, how did you get the idea for that? What made you want to start it? I had gone back to school for clinical psychology and 
well, as soon as it got to math classes, and of course, I wasn't good at math. Like that was not my strong point in high school when I could see and then trying to do it blind with inaccessible technology was an ass kicker. So <laughs> I, I ended up, like I said, I started researching what makes things accessible and then found out it was code and decided to drop out and start teaching myself how to code. And then that was in October of 2021. And it took me a while to figure out a programming language that I could write code in, had accessible tools for me to write code in, and then also output or had the ability to output accessible interfaces on the user side of things. And so I just started putting in hours, reading online and and practicing. And I kind of started with Xanagrams, which is my first and only game that's out right now. But that was my kind of test run to see if somebody who's completely blind could do this entirely alone. And it's worked out. So I formed an LLC and now I'm doing the entrepreneur thing. Where did you get the name from for Dark Horse? It's kind of two part. So my my battalion's call sign in the Marines was actually Dark Horse. And they got that from the Korean War at, at some point. My battalion, which was 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines, was surrounded and everyone was expected to get slaughtered. And somehow they fought their way out of it. And when they finally broke through, like the other units that they had met up with kind of deemed them the Dark Horse. So that's kind of an ode to that. And then I also felt like that's been pretty fitting with my own life since the suicide attempt and overcoming it all and getting to where I am now. So just going back to the coding, what like programming language did you find worked best for sort of no vision? There's a couple different avenues you can go. You really, you have to start with what platform you want to develop for, because that'll dictate if you can do it on a Windows machine or on a Mac, at least in the interest of making things as accessible as possible and as, as smooth of an experience for visually impaired people as it is for sighted people. You really have to develop natively, which means that you have to write a code base for each platform that you're developing for. So I didn't really find any resources on how to do this completely blind when I started. So I've actually written some articles um, that are on my company's website on the technology stack that I'm using, the language that I use, and the resources that I've used to learn and continue to learn. What I'm using is Swift. That's the programming language and the front end framework Swift UI, which is what allows or what swift recognizes it's in order to put buttons on the screen and things like that anything that shows up visually is written as that kind of extension of the swift programming language and so you have to use a mac with that and then there's a free app called xcode which is an integrated development environment that's a pretty common term once you start looking into programming for the apps that developers write code in and it is like 95% accessible. So I've been able to get around everything that I've needed to do aside from a few things where when a family member's over, I have to have them drag something into my project or something like that. But it's doable. And like I said, I I can send you guys the links to all those resources that I've used. Yeah, I'm going to admit, I am not a technological person at all. And all this coding just way over my head of of how people even do that or how it even works but yes let's talk xanagrams i genuinely thought cleves was going to ask you where you got the name for that um, but for those who don't know what is xanagrams xanagrams is a word puzzle game and it if you don't know what anagrams are because 
as it is in the name. Xanagrams is based around the idea of anagrams, but basically the game is a as a combination of either themed or unthemed puzzle packs. And so you get to choose what you want to play. Unthemed puzzle packs are harder because then there's no context to what any of the answers to the anagrams are. But essentially any puzzle that you open up has like let's say you're playing a themed puzzle pack. When you open up a puzzle, there's six clues for the anagrams in that puzzle. Next to each of those clues, it tells you how many letters are in the answer for that clue. And then at the bottom of the screen, there's a bunch of buttons that have groups of either two or three letters in them. By the time you finish every puzzle or any puzzle, you'll have used every one of those buttons once. And so if you want to spell feather and there might be a button that says F-E-A, another one that says T-H, and another one that says E-R. When you tap on those buttons, it adds it to your current spelling and then Xanagrams automatically detects when you've spelled a word correctly. And then it hides those buttons from voiceover. Or if you can see, it's it's a visual, you know, a crossed out line going through the letters. And so you can use the process of elimination to work through each of the puzzles. And for, I haven't been able to find anything else like it online. So it's a unique approach to it. And not having to use a keyboard really makes it a, a much more tolerable and smooth experience for voiceover users. So it's it's done really well. It just won Game of the Year on Apple Viz and uh, Game of the Year from the Mobile Accessible Games platform as well. And then Pocket Gamer just did an article on it that got released a day or two ago, which is a mainstream mobile gaming site. So it's been kind of wild. It's like it's finally starting to get some traction here. No, and I think what's really good about the game is it, it is that it is accessible for voiceover users like myself, but it's also accessible to anyone. It's not a specific blind person game. And I love that you said that the unthemed puzzle packs are harder because I've, I've I've completed five out of the ten word salad, and I, I didn't know I knew so much about space. But I've managed to complete seven out of the ten of those so far. <laughs> but I have to like say, I first when I first downloaded the game, I just thought it was too difficult. Uh, I had opened it, couldn't think, couldn't see the answers like at all. Left it for a, a while, and then came back to it, and then just opened each puzzle and got the answers that I could, and then process of elimination. It's quite addictive. It's a really, really good game. But please tell me, why is it so hard? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad glad you're liking it. And I've actually, that's not the first time that I've heard that where someone's kind of like, hey, man, this is a little tough. But I intentionally have made them difficult. Personally, I, I'm not a big word game person. But when I have played them, they've seemed to be too easy to to be interesting. And so I've handwritten every one of these puzzles. So I've written over a thousand anagrams at this point for the game. And when I do them, I don't know if you've noticed yet, so you can actually play puzzles. Like the first time that everyone plays any puzzle, they get the exact same letter groups. And so that's so that you can have a competitive scoring system and compete against your friends. So for those puzzles that I've written, I've broken up over a thousand anagrams that I've written each of those letter groups by hand. And then if you replay one of those, then the game randomizes how they're all broken up. The same premise applies, but it just changes up the letter groups so you can have a different experience. But I've also had to kind of keep myself entertained when writing all of them. That's honestly where the 
a lot of the challenge came from, I was like, all right, if I've got to spend all this time writing these, I'm at least going to learn something while I do it. You could have just said, Selena, get good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stop sucking. Yeah. <laughs> so like you said there, like, like you didn't find it challenging, like the, the previous, like when you were doing other word games, is that what put you on the direction of like going down this route? Uh, there's kind of two big things. So one is it's pretty common in the, like the, software development world that when people are learning a new language there's all sorts of these courses that are based around being 100 days long and so the way that i initially learned swift and the way that i've linked to in those articles that i've written it was a 100 days of swift ui course and it's all project based so as you're getting introduced to new concepts there's a new project every couple of days and one of them was a word game but it was just a random scrambling of letters and then you had to type on a keyboard and the game would tell you you know it was just to spell one word and i thought that sucked so i kind of thought back as to how again back to making it more interesting and then also like the keyboard when you're using a screen reader is miserable to have to use on a phone so I just tried to figure out something that would make that a less painful process. And having those letter group buttons is what I came up with. Great solution. You know, when you were developing the game, what sort of obstacles did you come across as a visual impaired person, as opposed to someone that you'd think, you know, can see that might've been easier for them to do? Honestly, the hardest thing about making Xanagrams was making it visually appealing to people and even to low vision people. Like I, I knew what I needed to do, right? Like I got the concepts of what I needed to do, but I'd never written a line of code when I could see. And so I've written every line of code for Xanagrams. And so including all the visual stuff. And that was the tough part was I'm going off my memory of having vision as to what things would look like. And then I'm also interpreting what I think this code is doing based off of stuff that I've read after I lost my sight. So that was a painstaking process of like... I'd make a screen and get it working and then send screenshots to people that I know that can see or, you know, my family lives about half an hour away from me. So that I typically see them about once a week and it would be like, all right, we go grab lunch. And then when I come back, I need you to kind of go through this thing with a comb and tell me what looks ugly and <laughs> what I need to fix. <laughs> and then that's a whole other thing where no one in my family codes. So they're telling me that X thing looks terrible. and but, you know, they're talking in general terms of the entire screen. And in my head, like I can remember the code and then I'm trying to figure out from someone who is illiterate when it comes to coding, like what they're saying is bad in my code. And that was honestly, that was way worse than I thought it was going to be. It was so frustrating. I was going to say, was part of that because your family doesn't want to tell you that what you've created looks bad? Visually? I think so. And that's... <laughs> So, yeah. But you kind of want I them was, to tell you, right? <laughs> that's yeah, the, and I that's told the them that. catch 22. Yeah. And I was like, hey, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Like, I need to know what sucks. I can't see this. Like, and also, if you think the game sucks, just tell me. <laughs> but, <laughs> and so that's, I ended up releasing a public beta before, uh, before I released it to the App Store because I was trying to get visual feedback and, low vision feedback and it didn't get a whole lot. So I ended up just releasing it. And then that first week that it was out, I put like 60 hours into fixing bugs that people had reported that were visual issues that just no one had told me about. I mean, it must be like really difficult. Like, like I said, trying to remember visually from, from when you had sight, so that must've been really tricky. 
Yeah. And so like when you're reading these tutorials or these articles or the documentation on these languages, obviously it's been written by people who can see. So when they're explaining what, you know, this value does when you add it to a button, it's in very basic terms and stuff like that was funky where I was getting weird kind of behavior from, from the UI elements and stuff like that. But also there was a huge phase of going back and fixing everything because everything would be data wise would be in the app and be on the screen. So voiceover would read everything, but visually like a ton of the stuff on the screens were being cut off. And so it was just a mess. And again, we're going through with someone sitting here and like you fix a couple lines of code and then get back to where it was so they can look at it. It was, I don't know if, if Xanagrams takes off, I want to hire someone who can see to take care of that side of thing. Yeah. It makes a change though. Like it makes a change because normally for voiceover users, we have to go on websites and other apps and deal with how they don't work with voiceover. Whereas this is something that actually works with voiceover, but it's putting people in our shoes because they've, Visually, it's rubbish to them, and they're having to deal with all those blips. Yeah, and that's like you really don't see a lot of games that are a lot of games that are blind accessible have been. Yeah, I mean, you can even tell by the names; they have like blind in the name or accessible in the name. And those companies don't typically stick around. So I wanted to be able to make something that everyone can play. And you know, I've even been trying to get feedback from people with mobility impairments so that I can make it usable just by voice and stuff like that. Again, connecting with people has been its own issue for trying to get feedback on that. But the hope here is that over the years or as I have more apps come out or even Xanagrams takes off that I can become a, like my company can become a bigger presence in this space and set the example for inclusive design moving forward. Because I think if the general public knew that digital accessibility and lack thereof was a thing, more people would be privy to like requiring that developers support it. Just no one knows about it. Some of the people that I most enjoy speaking to are people that have started businesses, but their products are both accessible to people with a disability of some sort, but also the general public would like anyway, just as an actual product. So you seem to have done this with Xenograms. My overarching question is, how do you monetize it? So the game's free, and when you download it, you get two puzzle packs for free. You get one of the themed ones for free, one of the unthemed ones for free. So each puzzle has six anagrams in it, so there's 120 anagrams that you get for free. And they are hard, so it'll take you some time to play through. But, I mean, if you get the time, or if you take the time to get through them and you're still enjoying it, then there's, like I said, those other... There's an additional thousand plus anagrams that you could buy that are all in puzzle packs. So each of those are 99 cents, and then... There's also hints in the game. So if you're really, really stuck, you can use a hint. And I, you start the game with 10 free hints, but you can use a hint and it will, in the context of the actual letter groups, tell you what the next letter group is for the word that you're stuck on. And so that's kind of what I've done. I had wanted to include ads, kind of like you see in, in many mainstream apps. But again, the problem with those is the companies that deliver the ads don't deliver them in an accessible format. And there's no way to access that underlying data to make it accessible. The big thing right now has just been trying to market it. And I, it's been doing really well in the accessibility space, but it's hard getting it out there to the larger world. I've heard this statistic, and this was secondhand, but that somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,500 apps are released on the Apple App Store every day. So 
it's already flooded. Obviously, mm-hmm. the word game market is pretty flooded, but that's why I, you know, hoping that it can get some attention as well, you know, as a, as a result of me sharing my story and stuff like that. Um, in terms of like the the larger market, you got to do everything you can as well to market that. What's the aim for this? Would you like it? To, I, my assumption would be that you'd want it to be as big as like Wordle or something of that nature. Yeah. And so that's when I had started developing it. It was actually Wordle was, had been big, you know, several months previous. So I would love for it to be that big. And I, if it got acquired by a larger company at some point, that would be cool. But, you know, in the meantime, I, because of the way I've set it up, it, I've essentially created a platform. So I can continue to create puzzle packs and I am, you know, I've been continually releasing them and have told people, Hey, if you finish them or you have an idea for a puzzle pack, like tell me and I'll make it. But from a lot of the reading that I've done online and even just examining other like small companies that have been successful, it seems to be the case that once you have two or three apps on the app store, then because you're hitting different audiences, they also end up supporting each other in a way and drawing people that wouldn't have otherwise been drawn to you know your first app and things like that so i am working on on other projects but it'll be a while before they're done in an ideal world the company would grow to where i can bring someone sighted on who can make things really polished on the visual side of things and then continue to just build through sharing my story and and what i'm doing and showing people that it's not that hard and increasing awareness around it that the general public starts to realize that like, hey, we got to stop taking shortcuts on this stuff because it's not the exact same, but I, I do think it's akin to the physical barrier that would be presented to someone in a wheelchair who at a business that's refusing to put in a wheelchair ramp. It's this digital inaccessibility is increasingly keeping visually impaired people out of jobs, keeping them out of access to information and opportunities and so obviously that's outside the scope of gaming but i think the value of this application of it is still fitting and the fitting for that cause and getting the word out because are you able to say anything about the future projects that you've got in store i can i'm not going to get too into detail on them for one because i've learned that as i'm developing things that are bigger in scope they drastically morph over time as i work on them from what I initially thought they would be because I just, I keep getting more ideas, but one is an RPG, more like a fantasy RPG. And but I'm doing a lot of stuff again to, yes, my focus will always be on accessibility, but I won't release a product that isn't as polished visually as it is for other, for people with visual impairments. So working on a fantasy RPG and working on a resource manager game that has its own unique twist to to like the genre which is why i don't want to go into too many details about it i'm working on something as well on the more business side of things to try and just get a product out there that's more utility based and will be not only another angle like for the company to be in like another corner of the market but just to have a a secure stream of funding coming in so that i can continue to hire artists or eventually other developers even if it's just on a contract basis moving forward just lastly for me i just wanted to circle back to what it is you mentioned at the start in terms of mental health have you got anything that you you want to specifically mention to people or any advice that you give people that were going through something like that 
Yeah, unfortunately for me, I learned it after shooting myself. But the general idea of when you're struggling, you have to reach out to someone. It's it's gonna suck when you do, and it's really uncomfortable. But and it it takes work. It's a weird kind of hard work. I mean, it is. It's emotionally draining and can be very uncomfortable. You know, I used to get super sweaty talking about my suicide attempt and everything that led up to it and just wouldn't talk about it. Even afterwards, that took me a long time to get comfortable with it. But, you know, I've gone to therapy once a week ever since I was stabilized in the hospital uh, after they brought me off life support and stuff like that. And that's, that's been a huge change in my life because I've gotten back to really low points and obviously waking up from a suicide attempt and then being completely blind is just as bad, if not worse than you were Mm -hmm. uh, like the spot that you were in before. But just getting it out there to, you know, if you don't have a therapist, if you have just someone that you trust, it doesn't have to be a family member, someone that you feel that you can just open up to and be honest about when you're struggling. For me, that's been a huge help when I do get back into those really, really low places. And I'll be honest, I have in uh, 2021, I did self-admit to the VA hospital because I was in I'd been in really depressive states since being blind at times, but like that was the worst that I'd been in and it felt like I might do something stupid again. So it's not an easy thing to address. And I know there's with some people, there's still a lot of shame surrounding that. But I think if you just own it and make a point to get help, that goes a long way. I know for me personally, sport really helped me come to terms with my visual impairment. Would you say your Dark Horse project has helped you, I guess, have a purpose again? It has. And honestly, so it's it's been about two years since I started teaching myself how to code. And I've this in the end of March will be five years since I've been blind. And sports were my first big thing. I was in the mountains trying to snowboard eight and a half months after I shot myself. It was terribly unsuccessful because <laughs> I was still <laughs> recovering from my injury and like learning my blind guy skills. But I ski now, I whitewater kayak, I rock climb, and I lift weights six days a week, and I compete in Brazilian jiu-jitsu against people without disabilities and all of those things. And like having those things that I can point to when people think that I can't do shit and don't know anything about blind people has helped me a lot. Just, I think not only being okay and like proud of what I've accomplished since I've been blind, but just having that that sense of like, all right, I'm still kicking ass like that. That goes a long way for me and just being capable. Absolutely. It's, it's something we really like to advocate on here and it it does get, you know, it does get better. Like mental health really, it can get on top of you. It's good that we're all talking about it now a lot more, but just getting support is the most important thing. Uh, And of course in the show notes, I will put um, some support resources but no amazing stuff um and like just such a, a harrowing journey you've been on zach and like we we want to see xanagrams do really well and yeah obviously yeah hopefully we can get a, a bit more attention through, through our network and, and what we're doing i was gonna say i have one last xanagrams question so currently it's only available on ios is there any plans to make it available to android users as well that is what I want to do. Like to have the level of accessibility that mm. I've implemented, I do have to develop totally different code bases for every platform that I develop for. And 
also uh, the cross cross platform tools that are out there aren't accessible for on the developer side of the house either. So if Sandigrams takes off, I will do that. And if it doesn't, then down the road, I would like to do that. But that would probably be once I have someone else on staff who can just focus on the Android side of things, because it takes so much time doing all of like, I'm wearing 10 different hats <laughs> doing all of this by myself and being able to offload, you know, another code base to someone else would be a huge time saver for me. Absolutely. But hopefully, yeah, we'll, we'll see some, uh, see Xanagans really take off and, and then you can get, you know, get some of those hats off, pass them to someone else. Yeah. The big thing right now is if people do download it and like it is, and this sounds silly, but leaving ratings and reviews uh, the app store works similar to things like YouTube or Facebook, where the more, you know, likes and subscribers people have, the higher it shows up in search results. And so leaving ratings and reviews and then sharing it around uh, again, anyone can play this regardless of disability. So that would be awesome. Absolutely. And okay. links will be in the show notes, of course. Um, so if you are listening to this, go to the show notes, you'll find the iOS link to the uh, app store there. So download, rate, review, yeah, show the love. But amazing. Well, thank, thanks for coming on, Zach. Like, it's been so great to to catch up with you and, and go through your story and like what you're you're currently up to. I want to really get spotlight on you because like you've really put in a lot of work. Yeah, thank you. And I mean, this is again, I, I want to send you guys the links to those articles that I've written because this is a huge opportunity again for other blind people to to do similar things, maybe not with their own companies, but if you learn how to code and you're blind and you go work at a company, you could be an expert on, you know, their expert on accessibility. And this is a a, a great field to go into. So yeah. Absolutely. Well thank you very much for coming on, Zach. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks guys. And we're back again. Thank you, Zach. That was actually a really good episode. And I've still not completed Xanagrams. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Some of the clues on it, no, like some of the clues I'm gonna say like are American. Obviously, Zach is American, so that's fair, but it makes it makes it harder. Well, we or know how Selena thinks. Answers. Yeah, what she thinks of Americans. Love them. Maybe <laughs> that'll be the uh the New Year's special for this year. All of the out cut all the cuts of Selena's opinions on Americans. She doesn't realise that we're about to do a 4th of July special this year. <laughs> we should do that. What the on with that? Well, we talk about how uh, we let them have their country back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were at war with two other countries at the same time. So Yeah, we, we were busy. We had, we had stuff to do. We, we, we did have other stuff to do. And um, we'll be back. Nice. So, of course, links for Zach will be in the show notes, including to the App Store, social media, that sort of thing. And if you would like to promote and really push Xanagrams, we really want to see it do well for Zach. There's a lot of cool things in the works going down the line, and he's really passionate about it. So please download it, rate, review, try and do better than Selena. There's your challenge. Complete Xanagrams, <laughs> and then tweet at Selena. It's hard. It's good, though. It's good for the brain. Good. And on that note, we hope that you found this good for your brain. And we'll chat to you next week. Thank you for listening to Seesaw Podcast. Your feedback and comments mean a lot to us. So if you'd like to get in touch, you can do so in the following ways. 
can find us on Twitter at SeesawPod, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at Seesaw Podcast. And you can also join us at SeesawPodcast.com. Remember to like, rate, review and share with a friend. This podcast was recorded in front of a blind audience.